This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt leads us in further discussion about bearing the light of Christ and our due diligence to the top two commandments. Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here again with Thad Keenel, and we're doing the Planted Podcast. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing wonderful. I'm looking forward to today's episode. I think uh, we have some good material to cover. It seems like this book tends to be a little bit redundant at times, but you mentioned the word circular. Right. It kind of comes back around, and then it adds a little bit more right. detail, and then it it does almost like what the Psalms does and where it'll sometimes say something one way and then it'll say the opposite as well. What, what's right. that called? I can't remember. Kind of, it's, it's a form of parallelism yeah. within Hebrew poetry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you can have parallelism that sometimes is heightened. It's what says the same thing in a similar way, but heightens it, like makes it more profound or exaggerates or, or something. But then you can also have it in the negative light. You can say it in the, in, you know, in the one hand in the positive light and then the same thing from the negative side. So, so yeah, and he does kind of do that a, a little bit, I think, in, in, in this epistle. And then the other thing it, it is, it, you know, there's a, it's not, it's circular in the sense that it's very thematic. And so he'll circle back to that same theme and tie it into his current conversation and so forth. And so we'll even see that today that we kind of stopped and just for time purposes and at, you know, at, at verse six, right. But there'll be a lot of similarity be- between seven and verses seven, 11 in what we've just covered. But he, he brings up a, a couple of other little nuances to that, to, to drive home some things. And I think there's enough probably in those verses for us to talk about, but uh, so we'll, we'll see how we go today. But so far we've, we've, we've looked at the fellowship that we have with God through Christ in this uh, epistle, how this fellowship is shared with, um, with others through the proclamation of the gospel and the proclamation, as we've talked about is done in word and in deed. And that's a big theme we're talking about is the proclamation of the gospel and kind of the underlying current that we're wanting to highlight is how does this affect our our proclamation, how does it affect our evangelism, our witness of Christ? And so uh, the last couple episodes, we would talk about that in terms of what we believe, the believing in the right things, but then also doing the right things. And so in particular, last week, we talked about what does it mean to keep the commands and how do we think about keeping the law, keeping our promises, keeping our loyal love pledge to Christ? And then and what's it mean to walk with him? And we even brought up last week a little bit about how God uses language of walking with us, that that originally started with him in the garden and then walking in the camp and the community of his people of Israel and and so forth. Yeah, sure. And when, in case somebody's maybe listening to us for the first time and we're talking about the grace that we have in Christ and then walking that out, we're not talking about walking it out for works sakes exactly. and benefits, right? No, we're, yeah, we're talking about this it's really kind of a, a relationship of this covenantal relationship where we talk, sometimes use the words loyal love that you're entered into that this word that John uses is koinonia, fellowship, this fellowship we have with God. And that fellowship is a, is a fellowship where God comes alongside of us and walks with us. And then we're talked, then we are to walk along with him. And that walking is that outgoing um, demonstration of what he's started in us. And so if um, think about, you know, maybe a 
an athlete who gets hurt, you know, and, and God comes in and, and, and then you, you have, you heal, you know, your leg or whatever, then you start participating again in that activity. You start walking, you start running, you start doing stuff. And that's kind of the, the Christianese that we sometimes use of walking the faith. It's just the living it out, you know, and so it's not meritorious in any way, but it's actually a demonstration of what has begun in us. Right. And we'll talk about that some more today. Okay. Sounds, yeah, yeah sounds good. Yeah. So let's uh, so let's do that as as we focus on and really we've I think I even brought it up last week uh, or in the last episode of the how this relates to the greatest command of Jesus and and so that when he was tested confronted by the the Pharisees they came you know, they're trying to trap him and and test him and so they ask him you know what's the you know, the, the greatest law or what's the most important you know command in the Bible. And he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. Right. And so that's going to come out again. It's actually that command I think that we're going to be talking about today in in these verses. And so if you'd be, tell us what version you're reading from and go ahead and read verses 7 to 11 for us. Yeah, I'll read from the New King James Version. And it begins in uh, verse 7 of chapter 2, 1 John. It says, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. All right. Let me pray for us. Um, Father God, we come and ask now for your spirit to be our teacher and counselor as we spend time in your word and discuss this. Guide that nice thoughts and discussion that it would be beneficial for the two of us, but also for all those listening that we built up in the faith and strengthen in our knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So off the bat, I'm just going to raise this. He says there's no new commandment, then he says there's a new commandment, and then, so which is it? <laughs> right. <laughs> there's this old commandment, and then there's a new commandment, and and so forth. So, so let's go to that quote that Jesus has, that when, when, when Jesus answers the Sadducees and Pharisees when they're trying to test him, he is... And I mentioned this last week. He's basically quoting the Shema, that that old confession of the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, you know, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, and so that's an old command. It's nothing new. He's he's affirming that. And then he also is says, "Well, also love your neighbor yourself." But that's Leviticus nineteen eighteen. You know, so he's he's quoting the Old Testament, but and 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 saying that this is it. Now, um, John in his gospel talks about. You know, love your neighbor, and then there's there's a new command I give you, and and all this stuff. And so, why is John both in his gospel and here calling it new when it is old? Um, that that really becomes the question. Why is this a, a new command? And so we have to we kind of need to really look at this text and and say, does he give an answer within the text first, and then we can you know look at other scriptures and kind of theologize a little bit about why he would do this. But, um, but I think, I think the, as I've read this, I, I really think that the, um, 
The answer is right here in verse 8 for me. Now, in verse 7, he says, I'm writing you no new command, but an old commandment. So he's acknowledging up front that it's an old commandment. But then he says at the same time, it is a new commandment, right? right? So he's it's like, John, are you double talking (laughs) us here, right? Uh, I don't think he's trying to double talk us. I think he's trying to say that the scriptures are affirming this, right? The old, the, the New Testament's not telling us anything brand new than the Old Testament. It's actually, but it is shedding some light on maybe some things that were hidden or not, or, um, they were only hidden in the fact that they maybe weren't emphasized or practiced enough, but yeah. you know, possibly. But in verse eight, let's just start right there since you asked the question. He says, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you. All right. So he, even though he says it's an old one, he says, but it is new. What's his reason? He says, which is true in him and in you. Now let's identify those two things. What does it mean to be true? Why does he say it's, um, or let's just identify who's the him and who's the you? Well, the him is Jesus. Okay. So the him is Jesus in the you, and I'm not looking at it in the Greek here, but I'm assuming that's a y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be in the plural. Right. So um, so it's true for, the, for, for Jesus, and I would say the you here specifically, as he's been writing in here, is the you all here are the you all Jesus followers. So he's not talking about you, the, the general population of the world, he's talking about the community of believers in Jesus. Right. And so what we had studied in our previous episodes um, of the things that was true in him had to do with the light of Christ. I mean, the the, the, the true light, yeah. right? You know, that even comes from the gospel of John, the true light that manifests life to the right. entire world. And uh, so that's what we are, are seeing here. And it also right. kind of Right. Follows that up because it talks about the darkness passing away. Right, and so, so, but first, let's say what is the command? Because here in these particular verses, it doesn't tell us the command. It just, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's related to this love of God and love of neighbor, right? But it is this commandment to love because we do see this later. He says, "Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Whoever hates his brother is in darkness." And so, so the commandment is to love one another. Right. It is this. It is that. Um, and it, it, it's basically what he's saying back up here in terms of keeping the commandments. And verse 5, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And we talked about that, that it's not like we've become perfect, but in those, in those demonstrations of love, as we walk in, the new, in the, these commands and keep them, the love of God is perfected in that kind of moment of reality, <laughs> right? That's right, yeah. right. The, the, the only reason we're able to keep the commands is because of the perfected love of God, which is the work of Jesus. What is the perfected love of God that's revealed to us? It's it's the what some theologians will call the Christ event, and, and that is his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's in that that the love of God is perfected, because it's in that that God kept his covenant word to his promise to make for himself a people, and he only is able to complete that work in Jesus. The blood of goats, the blood of lambs, and all that stuff didn't do it, right? And and Abraham was justified by faith, and his faith was in the promise of God, and that promise ultimately is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus, right? right? Which is back to our our previous season episode of the Eternal Decree. Exactly, right? yeah. So um, Christ— because he is God in the flesh, right? He manifests that true light, right? The holiness yes. of God embodied in in the flesh, 
And one of the things that happens um, after all those events that you talked about, including his death, burial, resurrection, is his ascension. Exactly. Right? We have the ascension and the sending of the Spirit to the to, right. the, to the people, right? Yes. So now we have Christ within individually yes. and, in, and in the body of believers, right? Right. And it's through that power. So with Christ in us, now we have the ability to walk that out, right? right? To, and that's why he can say it's true in him and, and in, in y'all. And, and in all y'all. <laughs> and in all y'all. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> that's just a great explanation, Thad. Thanks for that. Because that is, that's how we are in Christ. And so we think about in, in, in like the Apostle Paul's, a lot of his terminology, he uses this in Christ a lot, in Christ, in Christ. And, and that is that union with Christ. And so it's through that union with Christ, through the, through the regenerating work of the Spirit, that we are united to him in all his work, and so that perfected love of Christ is accessible to us. You know, it's it's and and with that, then uh, we see that this next, these next last part of of verse eight, I think, is the explanation for that. Uh, in the sense of he says, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Mm-hmm. So this is the reason. That the, the perfected love of Christ, that the, the this, this command, <laughs> the commandment is true in Him and in you, uh, you all is how do we? What's the evidence for this? The evidence is that the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So we need to unpack what is meant by that because there's, um, in one sense, we can say it simply, but in another sense, this has a profound impact on our understanding of the whole story of the Bible, our understanding of where of our destiny and our understanding of the mission of the church and and, and what we're to be doing right now um, as a community but also as individuals, right? So um, when he says the darkness is passing away, we need to identify the darkness. So um, now we see some clues to this here even in these verses up through verse 11. Darkness is associated with hate, right? Hating our brother. Sure. Um, uh, those who walk in darkness, um, he says, don't know they were going there. They're blinded. So what, in scripture, what is darkness? Just, we, we talked about light earlier, about with God in a previous episode, that he's pure light, and in him there's no, no darkness at all. So let's, so there's a contrast between light and darkness. Light is from God. Darkness is, is that which is against God, which is anti-God, right? Sure. And so the, what, how does darkness manifest itself in the world? Yeah, I think, well, one way, and the one that just popped into my mind, and this is maybe not the best place to start, but it would be knowledge without wisdom. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's great. So, so it would be eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. It's not that you're not getting knowledge, right? But you're not oriented to it the right way. You're, we're doing it for our own selfish desires. We're trying to find wisdom in our own eyes. We're, we're pursuing a life that is beneficial just to me and not to God's purposes and not, it, I, not to the people around me and so forth. And so, so I, can, I can do that and, and still hate my brother. Absolutely. Right? absolutely. And it, it can even go with our sciences of knowledge, right? So yeah. we, in, in biology, for example, yeah. right? Not attributing 
the splitting of the, of the gene and all of that <laughs> and, and the growth to, to God, but man, to natural right. causes, you know, and saying evolution is the way this all came right. about and not attributing it to the, to the true God that was the creator of all things. That's another sense where you have, you know, they're looking at something and, and seeing it one way, right. but they're not, they're not bringing in the knowledge of God into that description. Yeah. So any view of our, of the world and right. what a discipline or area of the world you're looking, any view of the world that is absent from God, that that is atheistic in, in, in the way we're developing that is going to be developed in darkness mm-hmm. because God is light and in, 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 in all, he's the source of all life and truth and, and he is the logos, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. In in that sense, so right. So yeah. So I think we need to, um, yeah. So so that's a that's one place to start in terms of darkness, and and then what eventually made if in a behavioral sense. So that in some we could talk about in a philosophical sense, but in a behavioral sense, darkness is just going to be what the Bible talks about sin. It's going to be you know envy and malice and lust and and um, haughtiness and all those things that talks about where that destructive behavior that leads to further brokenness, you know, that's darkness too, that leads to chaotic life and produces chaotic life. Yeah. You know, this is a, another thing that just popped into my mind in regard to when you were talking about the old command to, mm-hmm. to love God and to love your neighbor in Leviticus, right? right. The When that command went out, it was Israel in the desert together with God in the center of the community. Yes. Right. And so everything in that community was Israel. So their neighbor was their cousin, brother, friend, and it was a close knit group. Right. But that gets modified when Jesus is speaking, because I said, who is my neighbor? And that's when he gives the parable of the Samaritan. Right. You know, and it's, Oh, it, it expanded out from just our little community right. of like-minded people right. who we sometimes have a hard enough time getting along with, yeah. don't we? Right. You know, to outsiders. And then Jesus says, now love your enemy. Right. You know, so there's there's an expansion of this information that might be coming in in this regard, too. I don't know. If well, I think that is one of the, we, we we'll get there a little bit with the newness, what's, what's new. It's not, it's not that, I mean, because you can, even in the Old Testament, you find commands of how to, how they were supposed to. Uh, be kind to the alien, sure. the outsider, and there were there were means for which to embrace them and bring them into the community, uh, and and be helpful to them because they were supposed to be a blessing to the nations to begin with, right? To the right. to the Gentiles, but but the the but there is something new about just the way the gospel is creating a new community, and this new community is no longer centered on ethnicity, <laughs> right? This this new community is. For Jew, it's for Gentile, it's for Scythian, slave, Greek, female, male. You know, it's there's no barriers. You know, from the only barrier is lack of faith in Christ, right? Sure. And so, yeah. um, so, but so we have the darkness, and it, it says it's passing away. Now, what what do you think it means when it says it's passing away? How can John make that statement? Because I still see a lot of evil in the world. I still see a lot of false teaching and philosophy. I still see a lot of corruption that's out there. Um, and so, but he says it's passing away. Now, it, it's important to say that the passing away, does, he's not saying there's non-existent because it's passing away. It's not that it's completely gone, right? But it is passing away. So how can he make that statement? Well, as I think about the nature of darkness by itself, it doesn't have any property in of itself to remove itself, mm-hmm. right? So how does darkness dissipate? 
it's only by the addition of light. Uh, yeah. Okay. And we saw that earlier in our studies with how the light can come in and expose the darkness, right? right? We talked about all of that. And so there's no need maybe to go back into that, but it's passing away because the, the light, the light of Christ. It. Right. And if we look at this, this is all going to be in reference to, by the way, just not to daytime, nighttime um, stuff, but in regards to to humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, the light of Christ is coming through. It's it's exposing sin. People are repenting. Right. And so it's got to yeah. be in regard to the gospel. It is. And so I, and with that in mind, I want to turn to the beginning of Gal- the Galatians. And uh, Paul is is introducing this letter, um, which is, is it, some people would say it's kind of a condensed version of Romans, sure. <laughs> um, where he is laying out you know justification by faith alone. Uh, but he uh, in writing to this, he let me just start in verse three. He says, "Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father," and so. He says, to deliver us from the present evil age. So if we think about in terms of like epics or ages, um, years of time, there's a, what is the present evil age? Well, the present evil age, I would say that Paul's talking about it would be equivalent to the age of darkness, right? And what is that? How is that, uh, the Bible talk about that? Well, Jesus talks about the, um, how, who's the prince of, of this age, um, yeah, the prince of darkness. The prince of darkness, right? <laughs> of Satan. Yeah. When sin entered the world, the the world entered into the age of death. And so, what's ruling in humanity in some in some senses, apart from the redemptive work of God, before the redemptive work of God comes in, and you know, we have the call of Abraham and the the the, the giving of the law and the promises and all those things that ultimately are fulfilled in Jesus. Um, that. That the the thing that dominates the present evil age is death, and that the prince of death is the the evil one, and and the the world systems, the 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 those peoples and nations that worship other gods and don't acknowledge Yahweh, and when who, if your faith is not in Yahweh and and now for us in Jesus Christ, that your destiny is death. You are you are governed by death, and all that you're doing and producing. While you can acquire knowledge and you can build some level of things, it's it's all going to pass away. None of it's going to survive the judgment of God. Anything that's not done in faith, that's not done um, to, to building His kingdom, even though it, it looks great and there's this great empire out there. When when judgment comes, the final judgment comes. It's all just going to be put turn going to turn in going to be refined by fire and nothing's going right, to, yeah. it's not going to last, right? Yeah. And so so when John is saying the darkness is passing away, I think he's talking about that age, right? That that present evil age is an age that is passing away. And we can even look at our old life, the old man in us, that what's causing it to pass away? It's the presence of the light, right? And what is the light? The light is the gospel. And so the um, so it is... Um, and specifically, it is um, what is the true light that is already shining? What's the evidence that we have that this new age is upon us and that it is that it has been inaugurated? Yeah, let me put it this way and see what you think, um, because I happen to mention the Prince of Darkness, which I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's a biblical topic, but we all know yeah. who that is, right? Yeah. 
but it, he it does call him a prince, right? right. He's, the, he's the prince of this world and, and whatnot. But um, if he's a prince, then he has a kingdom, mm-hmm. right? Now, something changes when Christ comes on the scene. He says, behold, right. if these things have happened, the kingdom has come upon you, right? right. And then when he's also there, he says, the kingdom is in your midst, behold. Right. So um, the true king, of course, is Yahweh, God, right? right? And if he's in the flesh in the form of Christ and Jesus, then the kingdom is wherever the king is. Mm-hmm. We have the kingdom now on earth at the time of Christ coming yes. in. So you would call that maybe the the beginning of Christ's kingdom or the inauguration of things? Yeah, and it gets a li- it's a little bit interesting because you have you definitely have the presence of the kingdom in Jesus, right? But I think you also have something happening when it when when we have this transition from it just being in him to also being in all y'all. <laughs> right? Right. Is that what what's the evidence that the darkness has been defeated? And I and for me, I think it's the empty tomb. And so Jesus himself experienced death because that's the penalty of this age. That's the that's the the consequence. But he, it's in him showing that he's overcome that death, right? That the, the darkness could not contain him. The conquering right? of death, okay. But, so it's in the conquering of death that we know that it's passing away. We know that, that that darkness is passing away because he overcame the ultimate end of, of the kingdom of darkness, which is death, right? right? And so in his overcoming of that, we, we know that the grave has been defeated and and in his resurrection the, the that eternal life is something that we have now sure. now but I, now I completely agree that the kingdom of god came in his presence in his coming it's there but there's something in terms of the the defeating of the darkness that for me anyway and, I, and is the, the 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 resurrection event that is that it's that evidence that it's that stake in the ground right. that says no victory has happened. That you the the death that they tried to defeat Jesus at the cross. It's like no, that was not a defeat. It actually it was the victory, right? Right, exactly. And of course, you know the gospel itself says, you know, if without the resurrection, we're of the men to be most pitied. Exactly. Right. So that is the that's the high the high point. Right. But when we when we talk. Back in time, sometimes we'll just point to the cross being that whole ministry, death and resurrection right. portion of it. And so there's there's a lot there because when Christ comes, John the Baptist says The light is in the world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And then he says, then he says a little bit later, he says, uh, how do I know this is really the Messiah? Right. And he says, Well, when the lame walk and the blind right. see and all these evidences of Jesus over the power of darkness, right, right, is being made manifest. Right. This is the light. Right really expanding yeah. at this time. And of course, now it's being lived out at this time in the during the time of the apostles and the disciples, the early disciples of the church. And it's being manifest here to the entire world because it's not just for the, the central Jews right. and the, the people nearby, right. but now it's spreading like wildfire, right? right? right. Yeah, so, so definitely you have, you have Jesus is the light, right? And he came into the world as, as John himself has told us, right? right. <laughs> um, he came into the world, but then, and so, so that is in some sense the inauguration. But, but, the, but at the same time, people say, but, but he died. So he, that's evidence that he wasn't the light. Well, no, he was resurrected, <laughs> which is evidence of that. And then, as you said, after the resurrection, we have the ascension, and and then he sends the Holy Spirit, right? And now the light is in us as well as as we're united to him um, by faith. Uh, and then, and that's why 
these commands are so important because if that's truly, if we truly are united to Christ and his life is now our life, then it needs, it should be manifesting itself in in a life that looks like Christ. Right. So the, this letter here so far and all that we have, uh, have read, um, have talked about is really showing us an example of how we have this reality of the light of Christ in us and how we're to live it out that we even have the ability to do so. Right. right, right. So it's a very practical. It is. Letter. It is. And so, and so that's why when he, he follows up, we have this, this light already shining, Right. The true light is already shining. That's why he's then in verse nine, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Um, so again, this is not meritorious salvation. This is not working things out. But what it's saying is that if the light's in you, it's going to show itself. You know, Jesus talks about not hiding it under a bushel, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and so, but letting the light shine. And so, uh, because I, can I... Um, Thad, can you look into my heart right now in my mind and see that I'm regenerated? I can't. I can't. I can't know the heart of another. Right. But what can you look for? Well, I can see some of the evidences of the right. of, of the fruit. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what this is talking about here, right? He he's just looking. He's looking at the community, and he says. Whoever says he has light and hates his brother, you're still in darkness. From 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 a pastor's standpoint. You know, or a, a, a leader standpoint, if you're hateful and resentful and and not loving your brother, then why should I believe that you're in Christ, right? And so now again, earlier he says anybody who thinks they're without sin is deceiving themselves, right? Uh, so he's not. It's not again. It's not. He's calling us to perfection, but more of a direction. So if so, I think what this is showing itself is that we should read this in terms of a persistent, consistent lifestyle of this. If this characterizes your life. Because there may be, in a moment, I may get angry with somebody and you just say, oh, I hate them, you know? And, and, and so this doesn't mean I'm walking in darkness completely. Right. But, but maybe I've turned, my, I've turned my head a little bit and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a light in that. And so, so then my brother Thad comes to me and says, hey, pastor, you, you know, it says to love your brother. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> right. we, and we're, I think what we find in the Christian is they're— they're pretty quick to repent. They're quick to see the truth when they're confronted with the truth, and when they're confronted with things, they're quick to go and confess and come back and be right. restored into right relationship. Uh, exactly, and I think this is uh, maybe a point where we could define what it means to be a hypocrite, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're a hypocrite, um, most people say, I'm not going to church, there's a bunch of hypocrites there, right? right. And, and maybe part of that's true, but really when we look at what the word hypocrite means, it's somebody that it actually literally means actor. That's what it means in the Greek, right? That the hypocrite is an actor. So somebody that's acting one way, hey, I I'm I believe in Jesus Christ, I walk right. in the light, and then they're hating the brother. Well, that's an action, right? When uh, a believer sins or um, creates an offense against his brother or neighbor or whatever that might be, that's not necessarily an act of being a hypocrite because the the time is going to expose that person of, of their sin. And we're going to see repentance come on, on board pretty quick. Right. Where, yeah, where they're going right. to say, you know, I, I, I messed up, you know, I apologize for that. I repent of that. And um, that's not an act of a hypocrite at that time. So there's, 
this is really speaking of, of those that are, um, that are hypocrites when they're saying that, right. Hey, I'm in the light, but they're really showing themselves not to be. Right. Right. And so, and so when we think about, you know, our, our witness, um, you know, that that's, that's why, you know, that humility and that in expressing our constant need for Christ becomes an important part of our testimony, important part of even sharing, you know, Christ with people is that we, we, we recognize that ongoing need, and yet we still are striving to live and walk in the light. Right. You know? And I think that's the way, as believers, we are with our families if we're expressing ourselves correctly is um, when I'm talking to my children, for example, listen, son, you know, I'm not the I'm not the one that can walk this out perfectly. You have to keep your eyes on Christ. You yeah. know, I'm going to make some mistakes, and uh, I, I hope that, you know— I'm, I feel sorry for him and I apologize to you for him, but you know, Christ is the one he's, he's the one that we got to keep our right. eyes on. I'm going to try to be the best example I can for you, Yeah, you know, but for those around, for those around me, don't, don't look at me. Cause if you watch me long enough, I'm going to disappoint you. Right. You know, so, um, focus on Christ. He's the, he's the one. And, and then also for us to have the right mindedness to understand that that light that comes in exposes that little bit of failure in our lives, right? right. And and brings us back where we can um, right. feel, have that right attitude towards fellowship again in Christ. Exactly. And so, so we need to maintain that humility, but yet at the same time, I think we need to root our identity in, in the light, in the newness, right? That the, this, um, the light that is already shining, we can say that in us as in this born again person, this new creation in Christ, that that's, that's what we are to live out of. We are to live out of the newness and, and really to see the old man, the old, that, that sinful nature, the flesh that it sometimes is called, is, is something that's passing away. We know, and we've talked about it before, you know, it's, we know it's still present, it's still has the residue, you know, in, in some senses in in our body, right. but in in forms of habits and patterns of life. But we're but we need to see those as crucified in Christ, as passing away, and we need to embrace and walk in that new and in, in that new commandment, right? And I think that's what's part of the new commandment. In, in some senses, it's now we we recognize we have the power to live that out. Where before, when we were completely in darkness, we had no power to say no. Um, to those things or to, to live by faith, but now we, we do in, in Christ. And so, so we, we walk in, the, in that newness of life in, in what the Old Testament would say, the, the circumcised heart, not, you know, not just the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the heart is what was needed. And now we have that in the Holy Spirit uh, in this newness of life. And so, so when we proclaim the good news to others, I think that's an important thing to talk about and and to share is the present reality of the salvation that we have. It's not just some future thing. There is a future reality of, of complete and total deliverance from the brokenness of this world and the entrance into the new heavens and the new earth, but we believe that's been inaugurated now in the kingdom that's present in the church, and that kingdom that is present in the church is a, is a reality of people now that are new. And so, we have to embrace the new life, and 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 in that sense, the commandment is is new to us, right? Because now we have a new outlook on its 
on what it is for us. Now we don't look at it as something I can't achieve and can't merit and can't live up to, right? It's now something that because of grace and, and, and God's power, it's now something that I can embrace and say, now I, I can do this in, in Christ, right? And now it's just not old Matt trying to pull himself up by his bootstraps and be as religious and good as he possibly sure, yeah. can. It's now Christ in me, the, the light present in me that's inaugurated anew that, that now I, I embrace that life. Yeah, that's really good. One more thing that I was uh, wondering, and maybe you can help me with this. Um, when it talks about the true light, do you suspect, as we were talking about earlier in these sessions about the Gnostics, mm-hmm. um, that there's some esoteric sense of the light that they might be thinking of. And then, so John here is exposing, no, there's you, that light of... It, it you know, very trend. much so. Yeah. I think that that was one of the issues with Gnosticism when they would think of the Logos, okay, back, and this relates a little bit more back, you know, to, to the opening part of the Gospel of John. But the idea is, is that... Um, if you just attain this knowledge, right? If you if you acquire this kind of spiritual plane of of understanding, one of for some it promoted this extreme f- form of asceticism where they would just deny everything in the world and just almost become an extreme kind of monk type figure, right? Because everything in the physical world was evil and they would just try to avoid it. But the other side of it was they could fall off the log on the other side, and that would be, hey. It doesn't matter as long as I have this faith in in the in this in this um, spiritual reality, I can do whatever I want now, right? right? Yeah. And so I I can. It doesn't matter what I do in this physical life as long as I have this spiritual enlightened logos knowledge, right? Then I can just I can hate my brother and I can get drunk and I can go sleep with prostitutes and and I can do whatever I want because this physical life doesn't matter. It only it only matters my spiritual life. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we see that in so much of the world around us. I mean it's it, the the new age movement is not really new, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not. And that's and so I think he's definitely addressing this, right? If you if you're if you're if you're walking in darkness, if you're hating your brother, it matters. It, it, you know, because that's not showing that change in our life right now. And you're actually showing that you're actually not enlightened. You're actually blind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so if we have a friend, a family member who's walking in darkness, what do, how do we help them walk in the light? Yeah. Really, I think if you, one of the ways I'm, my mind is going a couple different directions, <laughs> but um, almost in the in the way of a witness, when we talk about um, going to witness to people that don't know the gospel message, we can kind of write the word picture of them. They're just kind of walking towards a cliff, mm-hmm. you know, that they that they don't see, and they're headed for certain destruction, unless somebody says, "Hey, there's a cliff ahead of you," right? Right. Well, the same is true um, about being in darkness at any degree that sometimes out of ignorance, we might be blind to something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how do we cure ignorance through knowledge? Right. So in a loving way, right. We can encourage them. Hey, guess what? I, I saw this, you know, you might want to consider this, this evidence right. of, of truth from the gospel message um, along those lines. What do you think of, of that? Well, no, I think that's one of the things we need to proclaim. I mean, that's what John says at the beginning of, 
of chapter one, we, we're proclaiming to you eternal life and that it's in Jesus, right? So, so you, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? You know, so we do need to be willing to speak the truth and, and share, you know, what's true about God, what's true about ourselves, as we shared in an earlier episode. So we have to know what that is. We have to be able to apply it to our current context and describe what that darkness looks like. Because there's, there's a lot of things in our current world that can, can want to show itself as light. A lot of these things, he, he, you want to have a, a, a more meaningful life? You want your best life now, Thad? You know, here's the way to do it. Follow this program, follow that. And there can be some true things in those. But, but ultimately, they're not is what's bringing the true light into the world, which is Jesus. Yeah. You know, so, so we need that proclamation. The other thing is we need, I think we need that demonstration, right? We need to, be, we need to show the love. We need to, we need to demonstrate it, one within our community, Right, they'll know we are Christians by our love, and so there's something that our community of of Christ followers should look different than the world, and we should love each other better, forgive each other more, um, and all those kind of things, which we don't always do great at, right? But and so we need to be humble and acknowledge that when people come and point stuff out. But we also, again, like with the whole thing, we also are a confessing community, and so we we got to continue to confess our need for Jesus in this, um, but. So we do it in our demonstration, but the other thing I think we, we, we do is, is also in our, part of that demonstration is our submission and reliance upon, and in that constant talking about the, the need for the Lord. And so I think one of the ways we do that too is just through prayer, because you and I both know that no one's going to come in the lightness unless the Holy Spirit does the work in their heart, right? Yeah. And so, so yeah, my responsibility is proclaim. My in- responsibility is to demonstrate and show that love. But I think there's also that responsibility of the church to just intercede along with Christ and the Holy Spirit and just ask, right? Because the Lord's going to do it. The Lord has to do it. And so part of our acknowledgement and walking in the light is 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 begging before the throne of God for our friends. Yeah. So you know? what do you think about uh, those who are in the church that are, hey, uh, I'm in this life right now. It's it's still, the God of this world is still Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're not going to conquer much of anything until Christ returns. So they got their eyes really far forward right. on that. Yeah, I think I think what happens oftentimes is... Because I, I know some people who see that, but they still want they feel feel convicted to preach the gospel, and they're just they're basically just trying to rescue as many of the people they can from hell, <laughs> right? Yeah. For the future. Uh, so, but in that, and I think God uses that in some ways, and I, I don't want to diminish that. But I think it can at times be. I think we can we can preach an easy gospel, in the sense we'll just pray the sinner's prayer and you're good to go, you know. And, and so I think that that. If you're so far, far, far forward focused on just trying to get people to heaven, then you're just going around trying to get as many people to say the sinner's prayer as you can, get them to admit their sinners and believe in Jesus and, and, and so forth. But then we don't necessarily have that vision of walking with them beyond that point, right? And so I think that's one of—I'm not saying there's a lot of people that do that, but I think at some point we can become so focused even on the numbers of conversions in the church that we're not— that we don't talk about, well, how's that person a year later? Is that person a year later still walking with the Lord? Right. You know, and it, 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 we're getting a little bit off topic here, but it's related to what you're well, saying. And the because, reason, yeah. but because I want to bring this up real quick is because there's, we, you, you sometimes hear the phrase of 
uh, do you believe that once a person's saved, they're always saved? It goes back to our like perseverance of the saints topic from last season. But the idea is that um, I don't like that terminology because it, it can produce a little bit. A little bit what you're talking about is I believe that that God will persevere, that the Holy Spirit will hold on to all that he has saved, right? But just because someone says a sinner's prayer at some time in their life that, that they're like, well, I believe you're once saved, always saved, because you've said that prayer, you're good to go. Yeah. Right? But John's sitting here saying, but whoever walk, walks in darkness, right? And so um, I believe in calling people to commitment, and I believe in calling people to prayer and inviting Christ in life. I believe in all that stuff. But the point is, we don't, we don't. Our confidence is not in a confession of man. Our confidence is in the ongoing work of Christ, and 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 we're in our confidence. And our what we should be looking for is that present fruit happening in their life right now. That we, if if we're so f- future focused, and we're not concerned about the present life, then I think we can inadvertently communicate. A gospel that is that is not powerfully now impactful for now, and, and it's just some kind of future thing. Well, oh, I took me and God, well, God and I took care of that long ago. I'm good to go. Right. Yeah, and I'm I'm reflecting back on the verse that we read earlier uh, with in regard to the true light that is in Christ and in y'all. Yeah. Right. right. So if if it's in us as it, it was in, in Christ, then there's a very real sense that that light is conquering now, yes. right? I mean, that's the, the truth of it is when Christ came, um, when he said, behold, the kingdom is in your midst, that right. was because Christ was in his midst because God was in, our, his, in, in the midst of the people, right. right? And the body of Christ, when he ascended in, into heaven, was transformed 40 days later, 50 days, yeah. right? When right. actually it was less than that because it was on Pentecost and he ascended 40 days after his resurrection. So it was 10 days later when the Holy Spirit came that it was a reality that the body of Christ is resumed its position on earth, right? Hmm. So that kingdom is still alive in, in the life of believers. And that's why we can say that that light is still going forward. Exactly. So exactly. The, you you brought this up earlier that in regard to good theology is also understanding how how the covenant works its way out through history. Right. right. Yeah, and and that's where when when I when I when we use like the new covenant versus the old covenant, those kind of things. I very much am, am, am a proponent of covenant theology and we believe in the unity of the covenants, right? So there is this progression, you know, that is taking place, but it's it's not the old the new covenant has not replaced the old covenant as much as it has fulfilled the the the, the old covenant. It is the fulfillment and um, broadening and expanding of that, especially as it relates to the Gentile, uh, all, every nation, tribe, and tongue, right? And the fulfillment of that original seed of blessing that was given to Abraham, right? And so, what's new about the new covenant is is a lot of ways the is the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus is is the yes and amen to all those things. Uh, where before there was still a waiting for that for the Messiah, there was a waiting for for God to to bring you know an end to that. And in one sense, that has been brought to an end. 
there's still yet another end we're looking forward to of the new heavens and the new earth, the, the consummation, mm-hmm. right? But there was an end in the sense the inauguration happened, that death was defeated once and for all, and there's no longer any sacrifices needed at the temple and, and all those kind of things. And so so from that standpoint, that's that's the, the covenantal view, that 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 theological view to see that it's that we're not getting rid of and replacing necessarily as much as fulfillment, but that fulfillment does mean that some things have ceased, right? Um, uh, and but but all those things that were ceased did point to what's here, right? And, and so I think it's good to, to keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in fact, when uh, a lot of the things that we uh, look at terms of the Old Testament, like this week, we'll be talking about the Feast of Yahweh, you know, and the Lord says to keep the feast so you don't forget, right? Don't forget what I've done for you. Right. So the reason that we talk about these things is that we remember right, um, what God has done for us as, as a people, and we can then see how that was fulfilled in Christ, right? So that's a, that's a great thing. So as we move forward, I think it's going to pick up, it's going to get a little bit intense here in the next few passages, <laughs> yeah. right? Because we're going to see things about um, overcoming darkness and the wicked one. Antichrist is going to pop up. I mean, yeah. w- these are some pretty hot topics. They are. And also this this um, terminology that Paul, Paul that, that John uses called the world, defining what is, when, when, when John talks about the world, what does he mean? Right. I, I think it's going to be important for us to think of because in a lot of ways I would say that, that the that world is related to that present evil age that's passing away, right? Right. And so, how do we understand that world, the world, and and what do we, um, what are we to be careful of when it comes to loving the world, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, because John, in particular, I mean, in his gospel, um, he uses the word "world" about twenty different ways, hmm. and I know because I, I looked it up to to figure it all out because right. you know. Uh, God so loved the world. What does that mean? Yeah. Don't don't love the world. Right. What does that mean? I mean the same thing. To, you, yeah. Do we love it or we don't don't love it? Right? right. So we have to have contextual. We do, and and I think in in the, in the epistle of John, it's f- fairly consistent. I mean, I think he's he's pretty much using it. Not that there aren't some nuances there, but it's very much as a in 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 the sense of of something we'd be wary of right, right in, in the epistle. So, so yeah, we'll get into that some next week. I do want to just point out one thing uh, or bring back as it relates, because again, this is this circular, this thematic thing, because we're talking about walking in darkness, we're talking about sin, we're talking about the new life, and and that that, that is characterized by repentance and, and going back in this not being deceived by our sins, but continue to go to confess our sins and so forth. And I, I've just had the thought, and what, what do you think of this? Maybe we'll even talk about it more next episode. We can think about this a little bit. Is the the difference between conviction and guilt uh, of, of of things? So what I think about, you know, the difference between someone who because you can you can be, not have faith in Christ, right? And you can do bad stuff, and you can feel guilty about it, and you can feel like, and you can recognize it's wrong, right? But there's something about once you you have the spirit and you're made new and you're living you you're in, you're already have the light shining in you and you do something wrong. There's a at least my experience is it's a little there's a little difference 
to that. There's a difference in just feeling like this religious guilt or this moral guilt and a conviction of the Spirit when it comes to sin. And, and so I think there's something about that, that that brings about that the more readiness to, to deal with it to a degree. So I just, I just had to plan it. Well, maybe we'll get it. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But is there, because I think there's, I think sometimes as Christians, you know, once we, be, we come to Christ, we still, the evil one still wants us to, to, to be ruled by that guilt, you know, and to be, and to, to consider ourselves as in darkness, you know, and we, sometimes we can have this angst and we've talked about it before. Am I forgiven? And is there anything we can do and all that kind of stuff? But how do we, how do we internally process that a little bit? Because in the, in this next section, it's going to be talking, he's going to bring up forgiveness again. He's going to talk about the desires of, of our eyes and like, well, gosh, I still have these desires sometimes. And, you know, should I feel guilty about it and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I think it's just something for us to think about as we go to the next episode, because I think there is a distinction there. I think so too. I think maybe a little clue for the listeners we, um, as we go on our, our break till next episode is the idea is of can we sin without knowing it? Mm, interesting. And where and when does that change between the non-believer and the believer? Yeah. Interesting. I'll be interested if we if we agree on that. Next week. <laughs> So we'll see. Come back and, and join us. We look forward to it. Thanks. All right, everybody. Have a good day. Bye. We have a lot to cover next time. Overcoming evil, abiding in the will of God, and guilt versus conviction. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production. Connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.